This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Pass caught. Diggs. Big game. Diggs to the outside. He goes. Taken down to the 26-yard line. Stephon Diggs. Here comes the blitz, and Cousins gets it away into double coverage and racing for it, and somehow making the catch is Adam Thielen. Wow. Quick flip out here to Dalvin Cook. He has some room. First down inside the 10. Touchdown. Well, we moved the ball well, I thought. You know, and I thought we kept him off balance. You know, we ran a rocket sweep for a first down. You know, there was a bunch of times we I, I felt like we were keeping him off balance. They blitzed us, and we had extra protection in there one time. Um, you know, just the flow of the game, I felt like, it was a, uh, a good uh, mixture. Rocket sweep. Football. A rocket sweep. Is there anything better than a rocket Matthew sweep, Tyler, gentlemen? Yes. I honestly don't know the difference between a jet sweep and a rocket sweep. I think that there's just whoa. so many different whoa. words for whoa, whoa. the same thing. Wait, hold on a second. Like, think about like a go route, a nine route, a fly, a yeah. streak. Like, you could call a lot of different things a lot of the same stuff. Phil, were you aware Curl, hitch. that Collar didn't know that the difference between the jet sweep and, and the uh, rocket sweep? Do you know the difference? I don't, but I'm not Collar. Oh, I think it's the same thing. It's just a different It's just different I, terminology? Yeah, I, I, I think. I am extremely, I am going to hit the Google right now. So uh, on the four curls play, could it also be like, you could call each curl a different thing? Well, it's here, one's so, a hitch, one's a curl, one's a turnaround. When I brought that up to multiple different Vikings people, they had different things to say about what it was called. Like So Zimmer called it a sticks route. And then Anthony Barr used terminology that like linebackers and safeties use for different routes that you read keys on. So there's like, let's say a hitch would be like a Harry or something. You know what I mean? Like there are different sort of like language for how you... Uh, determine where a guy's going to go and things like that. Yeah. So it's it's wild. Did you, guys, <laughs> did you guys know that there are running backs and also halfbacks? Oh, yeah. In football? Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, there is some sort of difference there. Running backs also encapsulates fullbacks, I think, right? So that's all running backs. But then, Also, a fullback is a running back? This is like a square and a rectangle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right. A fullback is a running back. But, but a running back... I don't. I can't say that I know right off the top of my head the difference between a tailback and a halfback. Does it have to do with like the triple option? That's a good question. Well, what about what, what, what are the back. <laughs> so much back. football back. right yeah. now? <laughs> I'm lost in the mashed potatoes and gravy. Adam Thielen. I have a I have a soundbite for you. Okay. Speaking of Adam Thielen. Uh, I, I didn't think Chris Collinsworth would fall into this trap. Oh. We've had other announcers fall into this trap, but Chris Collinsworth fell into the trap last night. Cousins, good protection again. Thielen, great move to pick up the first down. He left Alexander in his tracks, faked them out, picks up the first down with a minute 46. 
He's just clever. You know, Adam Thielen, he's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's just clever. I mean, come on. Okay. All right. Now come let me on. let me try though. Let are you gonna defend this? Are you gonna defend are you gonna defend this? Because because this is gonna do. be great, caller. I okay. can't wait to hear this. Now, so a guy who comes on the podcast who coincidentally will be a recording an episode with me tomorrow, Donald Jones, former NFL wide receiver. I asked him about this. I said, like, you know, every announcer says he's not that, uh, you know, athletic or whatever. Like, how do you take that? And what Donald said was that he would agree with the statement because when you look at someone like Tyreek Hill, who runs a 4-2, and Tyreek Hill creates that level of separation, you say that the reason that he was creating that level of separation is because he runs a 4-2. And... Adam Thielen ran like a 4.45 or 4.47 at his pro day, which is usually a little faster than combine. Everyone's pro day is faster than their combine. So a 4.45 is fast as hell for someone who's six foot two, but it's not 4.2. It's not Deion Sanders or, uh, you know, uh, who is the guy? Rocket Ishmael or something like that. Like he's not. A Jet Ishmael is another uh, way to refer to him. uh, Wow, good one. Um, well, there was the guy. Right there there like was that. the guy, John Jett, who was also, I believe, a uh, John Rocket. Yeah, that's there right. You go. Uh, yeah. Okay. Please here, stop. Here we go. So, jo- Joan Rocket was one of my favorite eighties recording artists. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, please, someone get this back on track. Yeah, tell us more about Collinsworth. Well, the. Okay, and so Julio Jones is six foot four and can probably jump 40 inches in the air. Chris Collinsworth, when he came out of Florida, was a freak athlete. He was a track star and he could jump like crazy. And so even Chris Collinsworth himself, as an NFL wide receiver, was the most athletic guy out there. And so when he looks at Adam Thielen, he says, There's not, he's not particularly tall, he's not particularly fast. He doesn't jump particularly high, but he just catches everything that comes his way. I mean, they used to say the same thing about, well, Larry Fitzgerald, not that fast, always open, always catches everything. Jerry Rice, same thing. Jerry Rice did not beat anyone in a 40. Uh, Andre Reed from Buffalo, Hall of Fame wide receiver. Tim Brown, none of these guys ran the fastest 40s out there. All of them were clever, not the greatest athletes, caught everything. So even though it is kind of a white wide receiver trope, it also does have truth to it. But they, okay. have, they have unique skills, though, that, that make them special. Like, it, it seems to me that, that it's just gotten to be the lazy response to be, yeah, but, yep. he, but what shocked me about Collinsworth is he's the least lazy I color agree. commentator in the NFL. I agree, but I think there's a better way to phrase it. Because the, Thielen is a freak in different ways, and, and it might not be the traditional ways, but it just seems like there would be, if you are a guy like Collinsworth, I think that there's a better way to explain it to to the viewer where it's going to make sense and you're just not saying, well, he's really not that great of an athlete right. because in, in actuality he really is. Right. So it reminds me of like maybe a hockey player who can't skate super, super fast. Sure. It's like an okay skater or whatever, but when they get the, the puck on their stick, it's the oh other my gosh, you better watch out. He's gritty. And, well, yeah. and, and, he, and he does have these things. Like There is truth to this. Like The guy is gritty. Like That's a real thing. He's good in front of like, the goal. Did you see him I mean, battling with Jair Alexander yes. last night? Like That dude has toughness. He has competitiveness. He has grit. He is all of those things, and he isn't the greatest athlete. It just so happens that, that, that those things get said about white wide receivers even if the guy does run a 4-2 because it's just white wide receivers. Right. I think, so a couple things. So I, I don't necessarily, uh, so square, rectangle, rectangle, square. I think just because you're fast doesn't mean you're a great athlete. I don't always equate 
athletic ability with speed because there's I mean there's a right, bunch of right, NBA right. dudes that aren't running four two or a yep. bunch of there's offensive linemen that aren't running four two forties but they're very athletic right Pat Elfline strikes me especially for his size as being very athletic he's yep. out there hand fighting twenty five yards down the field but what would you so I guess my question to Chris Collinsworth would and this is out of curiosity not to not to poke at him because I think he's brilliant on mm-hmm. these broadcasts mm-hmm. when Thielen is laying out. It, when, when Cousins throws a pass and there's two defenders and there's a safety coming over and he's laying out and his hands go up and he makes a catch in traffic uh, and sometimes even lands on his feet and is able to split defenders, mm-hmm. if that's not athleticism, right. what is that? Well, and that would probably go into the ca- category of like coordination and ball tracking ability is how you would more describe that because uh, the amazing thing about him is when the ball is in the air – you see so many wide receivers who just make sort of bad decisions when the ball is in the air. Yesterday, James Washington of the Pittsburgh Steelers jumped when he had no reason to jump. He like leaped for a ball in the air, caught it, and then fell and dropped it when he could have just kept running. And like you see these all across the league, guys who mistimed their jumps, yes. guys who have the ball coming down but they can't get their head quite around, or they're reaching out too early with their hands so it throws off their head and they can't bring it in. And it looks like, oh, it's either just a regular drop or maybe, oh, that was just a hard catch. Thielen just does all these things perfectly. Like he he lifts his hands extremely late before he reaches up and snatches the ball. This is a baseball thing. That's clever. When, I'll give you that. That's right? clever. When you see outfielders, you don't see anyone run with with their hands going up. You see those guys the very last second the arm goes up because your head stays straight. You can keep your eye on the ball. And you run faster when and, your and arm's not course, in the air, right? Of course. And it's a split-second thing, but the great ones really do it super, super well. Judd Athlete Challenge. Let's see. Is he faster? Let's see if I can track him. Oh, like, my hands are up. But, but it's a small detail, and that's the thing that I would describe Thielen, as far as just him as a receiver, is incredibly competitive, incredibly tough. You cannot throw him off his game. He's been injured. It didn't matter. Like Stuff like that. Detail is remarkable between him and, and Stefan Diggs, their level of detail. And his athleticism exists in different ways. It's tracking, I think. Yeah, it is tracking. And it's also just. Laquan like, Treadwell can't track. Just like the hands. I mean, the hands are unbelievable. Like, this franchise has not seen in like three years anyone drop a pass aside from Laquan Treadwell. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, we don't. We've seen it's, plenty of that. Though. I mean, when you. Right. Uh, now, longtime fans, of course. But if you. Let's say you were like 10 years old and he's just. Just getting into football, yeah. you'd be like, "Oh, everyone catches the ball every time it's thrown to him, yeah, except uh, for except for one Treadwell. guy. Number right. eleven doesn't catch and, the ball." And so, those are some yeah. of the things. If you were going like lazy is the right way to put it. The point isn't necessarily wrong that he doesn't win with pure athleticism. I would also say that very few people actually do in the in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like Linval Joseph, Tom Johnson, and I were talking about like Linval Joseph does not win on those third down and ones or fourth down and ones by just being big and strong. Because a lot of people are big and strong. It's his competitiveness, mentality, technique, his ability to strike quickly, his quick twitch off the snap that is exceptional for a nose tackle. There are better ways to describe these things than just saying, oh, he's clever. But, you know, it's also a live broadcast, and it's a sound bite, and you've got four seconds to say it before the next play or whatever else needs to be done. Just keep talking. Tony does. So, I mean, so, so I, I put myself in the shoes having done, you know, live broadcasts here or there, and it's a, it's a very hard thing. Jason Witten proves to us every single week how hard that is. Although Booger's very good from his little perch on the, the sidelines. His cart. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back, keep the football hour rolling with Matthew Collar. Find him on the Purple Podcast uh, as well, 1500ESPN.com.
Uh, Adam Thielen, by the way, is seven catches clear of the rest of the league after last night. He's seven catches up on Michael Thomas. 93 catches so far this year. ...does on defense, especially the way he's changed up his blitz packages on third downs, that the game plan alone should have sent him packing. And then when you get to all the other wackadoodle decisions, going for it on fourth down, I am generally a major proponent of that. But when Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball all over your face and then you give him the ball at the 40-yard line after you tried to stuff it to Linval Joseph like right in the middle, I mean, what are you thinking on all of those I want to be fired. I mean, that is I want to be fired. Put me out of my misery, please. Aaron hates me. I looked this up. Now, every team in the NFL has enough money to afford an analytics department, and I figured this out in literally 45 seconds uh, on Pro Football Reference, that since 2015, Linval and the Minnesota Vikings are number one in the NFL at stuffing runs up the middle on third and fourth and one. So that's the question, though. Of all the play calls with that quarterback, of it's all the, the decisions, one. it's what the least expect us to do. Let's run it. <laughs> I guess the he best said, interior defensive line in the league. I guess McCarthy said that he had he had two potential play calls for that play and said I should have gone with the second. Oh, damn right you should have. Go, Pat, go. I'm just calling to maybe offer a little insight. I know this probably isn't true, but what if it is? Maybe Rodgers hates McCarthy so much that he is throwing the season because I just don't see any other explanation as to how he's missing these wide-open throws um, weeks in a row. It's almost like he's going rogue on purpose to send a message like, look, this isn't going to work. we got to bring somebody else in. I don't know that somebody would go that far professionally like with his numbers on the line, but it almost feels like that's the only explanation. Okay. I love it, dude. I, I love this conspiracy the thing, theory. The, the thing that's crazy is the only reason they got 17 points last night is Aaron Rodgers making unbelievable throws in the first half of that game. But if you're asking for four quarters of unbelievable throws to covered wide receivers, we Judd and I were sitting up there on at least three or four throws going, that guy's not even open. He just throws it to a spot and yes. somehow... The guy is there because this guy has broken the matrix of throwing footballs where only like a couple people in history make these throws. And then Packers fans have seen it so many times. They're like, why isn't he doing that? Like every throw. They bl- they blamed him on, on the uh, on the non-touchdown pass in the end zone in the fourth quarter, which was not a great pass. Adams didn't catch it, though. He didn't catch it. Everyone in Wisconsin today blaming the quarterback for that. Well, and I go back and watch that, and I say Diggs or Thielen without a question – Makes a, vi- a, a nice catch. The fourth down catch by Diggs on the Cousins pass, go back and watch that. That ball's behind Diggs. Mm-hmm. That is not a great throw. And Diggs makes it look simple. So so to blame Rodgers for that throw is ridiculous. And also, I mean, just like look at the game plan. I mean, look at how they handled third downs and long not. and things like that. Well, he also had Jimmy Graham drop a pass, too, yeah. because they decided that Jimmy Graham was a good idea. Like, I mean, did you watch football like five years ago? I mean, that's, so, that's one of the great mysteries. Jimmy Graham was Jimmy Graham was supposed to be what Gronk is this yeah. just machine of uh, just this wide receiver tight end hybrid, and here he is dropping passes and, and injured all the time. It turns out that Drew Brees made Jimmy Graham look really, really good as he does, um, and he wasn't so good in Seattle. Uh, maybe in Park's system, maybe injuries. Maybe I think he's age. just done. I think he's just. I think he's just shot. Mm-hmm. So. That's your number two receiver last night, basically. And you you got some other people, but like Adams is the only real guy out there. 
And so he makes a couple of amazing throws to him. But if you're going to expect him to do that all game, especially after Bakhtieri gets hurt, and now they have to move somebody over there who cannot handle Everson Griffin, their interior offensive line is really not that great. Sheldon Richardson ate them alive. They couldn't really run the ball that well. And and so Aaron Rodgers is basically out there supposed to make everyone into a Hall of Famer, and it's just impossible. I mean, for the first half, he did a great job to get some points there, but you're also facing one of the elite defenses in the NFL. The Vikings, if you look at their numbers, I think people might be surprised by this, but if you, just how much everything has changed in the NFL, I think a lot of people would say, eh, you know, the Vikings defense just hasn't been all that good this year. And they're basically top five in every key category. Yeah. Yards per play allowed. First four games, right? Yeah. I mean, they first, struggled first and that's four it. games, right. They struggled a bit, uh-huh. especially against Los Angeles. They looked a lot worse against Buffalo when Kirk Cousins gave them uh, the Bills the ball uh, in the Vikings territory. But overall, their, their big picture numbers are they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. So you're basically tying Aaron Rodgers' hands behind his back and saying, go beat one of the best defenses in the NFL at U.S. Bank Stadium with a guy as a defensive mind who has faced you a ton of times but, now. But the caller to Packer Ventline has a very good point then. What if the quarterback says, okay, for this year? Well, here's if, if he I'm looked miserable. If, if, I'm, miserable. if I'm Rodgers... And I and he definitely hears criticism. He's not oblivious. He definitely he hears enough to keep himself motivated. I think it's pretty obvious Packer fans and apparently a lot of Packer media. I mean, like I was talking to Wildy off the air and he said the writers are going after him and yeah. radio hosts are going after him. And it's because instead of grading him on a quarterback curve and yep. saying, okay, compared to average or compared to other great quarterbacks, they're grading him based on perfection. And because he's not perfect and the team is losing, they're pinning the gap between what he is and perfection on him as a cause for why the team is not going to make the playoffs. It's asinine. No, but it it always happens this way, though. I mean, even like... Joe Maurer is a local example. Joe Maurer is a great local example. Uh, I covered Ryan Miller, who the national media just slobbered over Ryan Miller. This guy's amazing. He's an elite goaltender. He's incredible for Team USA, all that stuff. The local media hammered him for every bad game. Every bad game he'd ever have, they would go after him, rip him. He's not elite. He's not the best goalie in the world. He showed it again today. <laughs> like, And that was part of it because they yeah. had had Hashik there. Mm. And then, and this is the same thing. Like they had Brett Favre, they had had Hashik there. And then they went to Miller, and he was freaking fantastic. But you would just end up expecting perfection and and I think that that happens where every other team and the would final have said, straw contracts. Yeah, and that's right. And right? that's right. So when you sign, got paid, you yep. get paid. Yep. The per- perfection is yep. expected. And in this case, listen, the entire team is a dumpster fire. The quarterback is still great, but I just can't believe that you watch Mike McCarthy's plan for, for last night's game and can come away with any other thought of wow, this guy might have been good at one time. He has simply lost it. He's coaching his game plan offensively. Is circa 2012. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And you know what's funny? It doesn't change. So what really tells the story is like what their offense has done in terms of production versus what his pro football focus grades are because they just graded the throws. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL with the throws. And yet they struggle to move the ball. He gets sacked a lot more than he used to. I, th- I think that's maybe less his line, rather him just trying to do everything. And it reminds me of Elway before he won the Super Bowl. We think of Elway so much differently now than we did two years before he won the Super Bowl. Two years before the won the Super Bowl, he was like a disappointment. It was like... Ah, Elway could just never really get it done. And the guy was trying to do everything with those Denver teams. 
I mean, they were just, they had like no great wide receivers, you know. The, I mean, eventually they got Shannon Sharp. He was good, and he and then they build the team around him. Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey no and the defense, and then no, and then they get they Terrell have, Davis, yeah, yeah. Exactly. and then all of a sudden, like, oh, he's won the Super Bowl and he's just the greatest. And it's crazy how these narratives change. But if you took, say, like our mid-pack quarterbacks that we debate a lot, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford's another one of these, and we put them on the Green Bay Packers this year. Kirk Cousins probably wins four games. Oh, my God. Yes. Matt Stafford wins four games. Yes. And so the fact that this team is even halfway competitive at this point in the season is because of him. Uh, but he also makes it so people keep their jobs longer. Like, Kirk Cousins had an interesting uh, comment about, like, all that ball, like, a lot of families are in your hands, basically. Well, that's right. And Aaron has fed a lot of families yeah. that didn't deserve to get fed. Yes. I yes. mean, a lot of players who don't deserve to be in the league, uh, coaches who don't deserve to be in the league, and they're there because he has kept them competitive year after year. They don't realize how bad they are. And what's the one thing he still does? The one thing when all hell breaks loose that he's still incredibly consistent about is he doesn't force things. I thought you were going to say glaring at Mike McCarthy. That well, that's would, that good would be too. the other thing he's but if you But if you watch him, he takes sacks, and, and I'm sure that there's a frustration about that. He throws passes that, that are out of bounds. I'm sure there's a frustration about that at times. But he doesn't screw up. Up. Leads the league in throwaways. Yeah, yeah he doesn't. He doesn't shipwreck your game by throwing yep. three and that, interceptions, and that's what bad QBs uh, potentially. Another do. debate we have to get to when we come back, and uh, an update. If you're wondering, is Xavier Rhodes' leg still attached to his body? We'll give you an update on that too. Mackie and Judd hanging out with Matthew Collar. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Rodgers, under pressure, spun down. Richardson again, his second sack. Rodgers, under pressure, gets sacked again at the 34-yard line. Everson Griffin went to work on Spriggs that time with the sack. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Matthew Collar is here from 1500ESPN.com and the uh, Purple Podcast. And for people who saw Xavier Rhodes look like he got shot by a sniper. Every week. This is classic Xavier Rhodes. First of all, I can say this because the Vikings put out, uh, Mike Zimmer said, it sounds like uh, it's just going to be a mild thing for Xavier. It's a mild hamstring tweak. And he might even be available this week. It's early in the week. But every time that dude gets burned on a big play, it's once a game, it seems like. He goes like, oh, looks like my Achilles tendon has ruptured. Oh, wait. Nope. The feeling's back. I can come back in. That's like when he you... He Paul Pierce's every game. Yeah, when you like airball a shot. And then you're just like, oh, my, my ankle. Or I didn't do that. Right, That's you know? him. I sucked just... it up. Yeah, that's right. You you showed no pain when you were missing. I was just pain. It was just painful for people to watch me try to shoot. I also, I you do wonder about someone of Xavier Rhodes's size with the nicks and cuts because, like, I don't think he's faking it. I I think that he's probably been playing through some things for quite some time. Maybe something last year that didn't entirely heal. He got hurt, I think, in Detroit, and that's when it started last year. Maybe Thanksgiving Day, and then it just sort of continued, and then he had to leave the game. Uh, pretty consistently almost every single game. But I think the ankles, the hamstrings, he's a really big corner. 
you don't see that very often. A lot of guys who are like him end up playing safety with that type of athleticism and and that, that size. They very rarely stick a corner. I mean, can you think of another corner in the league who goes at like six foot two, six three? I don't know if he's quite six three, but like who who's a shutdown guy on smaller receivers? I mean, you don't see it very often. So I, I'm not surprised that that he gets dinged up. Um, but if they were to lose him for any portion of time, wow, is that a problem? That's a massive problem. Uh, well, people were scared, and I saw this tweet come across yesterday. Uh, at Pro Football Doc, Dr. David J. Chow, MD, said, This video has me worried. Had not seen this yet. Based on the position of the injury, worry for proximal hamstring avulsion injury. Mm, if avulsion. true, it's one of the few hamstring injuries that requires surgery. And people saw that and were like, <gasps> So this is this this Dr. Chow is a really interesting case because in politics we have a lot of this. We have some guy who is on the other half of the TV. There's the host, and then on the other half is some guy. And it says some title that he has that gives him some credibility to tell us about some political issue when it's just whatever guy who's saying what they wanted him to say on the TV at that moment. And it doesn't generally matter whether he has credibility or not and oftentimes when you look into these people you're like wait a minute can i really trust what this person's saying because they're being paid by this or they have a history of that or whatever this happens really often in politics so when you watch those news shows you have to be extremely careful who you listen to that's not that often in football it's usually like steve young so you're like okay well you know he's for sure niners and sometimes it's (laughs) and sometimes it's trent dilfer and you're like Right. Oh, okay. Right. Um, but but you but know that okay. though. But you know that. Like Merrill Hodge comes out and starts yelling about something. You're like, okay, well maybe he's got a point. But yeah, because it's because it's sports. Yeah. Maybe not. Rex Ryan is evaluating coaching. But, okay, right, I'm right. not sure. But. but but it's not it's not the the nature of an injury, which is a much bigger deal and gets into a very dicey area. And, and this is the thing. Very few people understand politics, so a lot of the TV networks think they could put on whoever, and you'll just buy what they say. Very few of us well, understand. That's not true, though. Very few of us understand hamstrings. Yeah. In fact, none of us understand hamstrings. So if this clown says, "Oh, it's a hamstring something," avulsion. Uh, oh, I use the word that you don't know. I was going to say, "What does so that even mean?" I must be true. Google that guy. He is a disaster. The NFL Players Association demanded he was removed from being the doctor of the San Diego Chargers because he ruined or threatened so many players' career <laughs> with Mel freaking practice. And people are quote-tweeting this guy and retweeting him and sharing what he says, bringing him on radio shows. He's a joke. So when it comes to the injuries, do not listen to some clown on Twitter who's writing for the San Diego Union Tribune. That being said, Unless though, it's Nick Punto on hamstrings, in which case, listen to him. Him, it's accurate. Him every year. Is this the the next step though for TV? Because now we we, we got, got the refs. Yep. We've got the refs in the booth now. Yep. So now, we're gonna, we're, now we're going to recklessly. Yeah. Was going around. He was in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, and then I think he was in the booth with uh, Gannon and Harlan yesterday. So my question is. Are the doctors and trainers next? Oh, yeah. I think we need, I think immediate reckless speculation. On, That's like, a torn the, ACL, Jim. That's going to be real bad. Boy, his, his, he's cross eyed. Who was who the dude for the Packers that took that hit? Bount, head bounces off the turf. Uh, Kentrell Brothers just absolutely trucked a guy on oh, special on the teams. Oh, return or something. Yeah. And he, and of course, like football players are wont to do, I'm, I'm tough. He bounces right back up and like, and does the hand dab with Kentrell Brothers, but then they showed a close up of his face, and he was not all there. But he bounced up physically 
Like, that's where we need reckless injury speculation guy. That's all it is, Phil. Dr. David Chow telling us that he's fine and everything's fine. I mean, fine. this really is like 2018, you know? I mean, we, we avoid this in sports a lot because most of us just say he's back when he's back, you know? And, and what good does it do us anyway for the most part to be like, oh, random-ass doctor who doesn't know anything says six weeks, like, right? And But this guy has, like, cornered the market on lunacy when it comes to injuries, and I have no idea why anyone gives him any credibility. You shouldn't. Uh, but I hope that that doesn't become the thing. You know, I mean, we, we play this at home all the time where we watch on TV and then we have to tweet, oh, that's a that injury. And that's annoying enough. Uh, and some sometimes there's something to it, though. I mean, the, the Vikings clearly messed up with Sam Bradford last year. But who, who can really know these things? And so it's it's a, an area where you just have to kind of shrug your shoulders. And even with Zimmer saying it's just a mild tweak, who knows? Mm, how's Anderson Deho's groin? He Fine. also, yeah. Right? Mike Zimmer commenting on Sharif Floyd for a few months there probably right. ruled Mike Zimmer right. out of the injury commenting. Well, he challenged discussion. him to come back. <laughs> it, it really just says how tough it is with this. And there's always a lot of pressure about the fantasy football stuff. When's this guy coming back? When's that guy coming back? And for our position reporting on it, it makes it really tough because I have no answers for you. Like people tweet me, well, when's Delvin coming back? I don't know. He was out there at practice. In his shorts. That's all I got for you. Can, you can't you know, know how someone I see feels. Eight minutes of Put practice. together a solid guess next time. Yeah. Just just guess. Give us a term just that, that you TV don't know. And guess. Yes. And just put together a solid guess. Uh, what can people find on the website right now, Collar? Uh, so the Vikings playoff odds jumped big time yesterday. Yeah. So there's that and sort of the outlook going forward. Also, the great quotes that came from the defensive line on stuffing third and fourth and one. Sheldon Richardson said they laugh. If another team wants to run up the middle, they laugh at them for running at Linval Joseph. So if you were laughing at Mike McCarthy, so were the Vikings defensive linemen. That's Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. Speaking of laughing at people, Patrick Royce is going to join us when we come back. Uh, his turkey of the year lasted about 48 hours before he got revenge. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500ESPN. There are new axe handlers on the move. Minnesota claims Paul Bunyan's axe for the first time in 15 years. These are moments and memories you'll remember forever. They're not going to remember what we did on third and two and what inside zone play we ran or what fourth down we converted. They're going to remember that locker room. They're going to remember that field. They're going to remember running to get the axe. You know, I'm, I'm a big per, I'm a big believer in visualization. They visualized this, and, and they went out there and did what they had to do. And now a reading from the at replies of Patrick Royce's Twitter account here. <laughs> this one's from a guy named Randy. Not Randy in Cottage Grove. Not our Randy. Not the humorous Randy. Well, maybe he is. He tweets, you are such a miserable mother bleep. As yeah. a diehard fan who goes to most home games and a road game every year, including the last three years at Camp Randall. What I'll remember about this year is kicking the bleep out of Wisconsin and winning the axe for the first time since I was 10. Go bleep yourself, Ricey. Yeah, there were a few of those. I, I was even more uh, offended by the guy who suggested that I should burn in hell. I thought that was a little bit of an overreach. I mean, uh, as I told Judd today when we did our uh, first new uh, first of the new podcast, 
I might burn in hell, but I don't think it's going to be because I made fun of PJ Fleck. There's uh, probably other options out there, you know, for the big. You don't think that's it, Pat? I think that's a podcast episode. Top top (laughs) ten reasons why Patrick Royce may or may not burn in hell. Well, you know, I just just to be fair, I had the game on tape, and I went back and uh, watched the game today, and boy, did Illinois look good against the Gophers! Oh, that's a game. (laughs) That's the game you keep that one on tape, and I go back and watch it every once in a while it's so much fun so no it, they uh it was uh very impressive the way they kicked the hell out of them the second half physically it was uh you know wisconsin obviously packed it in and uh decided hey this wasn't how this team was supposed to respond to us so the hell with it so uh, it was uh it was an impressive uh the way they just took over the game in the second half and beat on them so, so Pat, uh, I saw in the... And he has, uh, you know, the, the fact that I've always said the engine of any football team is an offensive line, and they finally have one after, you know, the, certainly the makings of one anyway. So, Pat, I, I saw in the strip today, Rand had something saying that this is the first time ever that over the course of a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, when they played uh, the Badgers and Packers, that the Gophers and Vikings both won. I guess in 94, the Vikings beat the Packers on a Thursday night, I think, at the Metrodome. And then, of course, that was the last time that the Gophers won in Madison on so, a Saturday. So now he's saying because it wasn't on the weekend, it never happened. It never, that didn't happen. So now you've got a, you've got a first, a weekend sweep. I think that's a stretch. We don't know how many times have they played together. Eight? <laughs> you know how many times have uh, have they uh, had the had the game? So I mean, I'm sure it's an interesting note, but uh, I, I I don't uh, I, I you know I, I I'm a little surprised, but I don't think I'm alarmed by that. Uh, so they beat them the same week, but since it wasn't on a Saturday, it was on a Thursday, oh, Saturday in '94. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, way to go, Rand Ball. That's a reach right there. So, Pat, That's... for for people who are are throwing it back in your face for the for the Turkey of the Year article on Thursday, what is what is your stance on PJ Fleck as a coach who may or may not lead this team to however many wins in his career versus PJ Fleck? as an acronym-loving motivator? Because I think the two uh, are different for you. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's going to win some games. When you look at next year's schedule, uh, God, he better win eight by accident. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if he's any good, if, they, if, they're, if they're better than half of the West, because uh, I think Penn State's the only one of the big boys they have to play, right? I, I think next year. I, they don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan. I know that. So, uh, you know, they should win some. I, he'll win some games, I think. But, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll continue to drive me crazy every time he opens his mouth. But uh, that's okay. The reason uh, we gave him the turkey Thursday was just because uh, I wasn't sure I'd ever have another opportunity to do it, both because uh, my, you know, my limited number of years remaining as a worker and uh, – that he might uh, start winning games, and then I couldn't do it. So I had to take the opportunity when it was there. I mean, the, the, even though I did tweet that thing out today about the three losses to the teams, that uh, three of the three losses to teams that were among the five that didn't qualify for the uh, bowl eligibility in the Big Ten, uh, that's still there. Those that's still there. They gave up 150 points to. Illinois, 
and uh, Illinois and Nebraska and Maryland. So uh, let's not forget that. You know, that's the, he was qual as of Thursday. He was a qualified turkey. That's uh, that's what I got to say. Sure. Maybe he's not a qualified turkey today, but he was <laughs> as of Thursday. Sure. And, uh, we're, we're dealing with the hair now. This has happened before. And in fact, in the old turkey, we used to say we were using it as a motivator. We wanted these people to get better. We want we we, we made them the turkey to challenge them to improve and uh maybe maybe that's the way the new turkey works too i don't know yeah i mean it's uh i, I think you should probably i think if if you should you should get credit in these post-game press conferences no it's, no no i don't uh i do have i did have several people say boy those players went out they wanted to stick it up your fat wherever yeah, I'm sure that was a big motivator for the boys. You know, I need to, so the Gophers do a great job of putting together these behind the scenes videos for all their teams. I we need to see sometime tomorrow a highly produced pregame speech where he where he puts that article up on the screen or something. Don't think he that. didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. You don't know he that. He probably doesn't even know it happened. Oh, I bet he knows it. Happened. I don't. I highly doubt Heather that someone probably know. Uh huh. She doesn't like you. Uh, no, she's already made that clear. Hey, your thoughts? She made that clear long ago. Your your thoughts on C.J. Crone, who, who the Twins picked up today from Tampa Bay? Uh, well, if I was Tyler Austin, I'd be a little upset. Would you? I think yeah. Tyler Austin thought he was going to get a shot, maybe to be the first baseman, but this guy's obviously they're bringing in to be the first. He's another uh, strikeout, uh, hit a home run guy, and uh, it is interesting that he went to Tampa, had a good year, but they don't want to pay him. So. Did you see the one-year price tag on Josh Donaldson to the Braves? What? $23 million on a, on a one-year make-good deal. And they don't know if he can play 50 games. Man, and you I was know, in on the Josh game. Donaldson uh, to the Twins camp, not for $23 million. <laughs> yeah, I thought he might have to go someplace for five or something. Wow. And they're supposedly, uh, what? Uh, who did I hear? They, uh, they might get Kimbrell back. Uh, you know, the Red Sox are going to let Kimbrell go. They're not going to pay him. Mackie's uh, good. Uh, they don't, they're not big believers uh, in the Dombrowski's not a big believer in paying millions and millions for Kimbrell. All they were playing him for closers. All they were paying him plenty, but uh, but they're apparently going to let him go. So Yeah. Hey. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Twins, uh, this. Uh, don't look now, folks, but this could be the big move. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Where's What are they saying? Where's Harper going? Well, hey, Harper was... hey Harper on College Game Day on Saturday, he was the lone wolf who picked the Gophers over Wisconsin. <laughs> you're maybe some foreshadowing? Yep. A little Sorry, foreshadowing? Charlie. Yeah, maybe. He's rowing the boat. In with him. That's right. He was rowing the yeah. boat on ESPN on Saturday. Well, I was on the ESPN Saturday. Where were they at? It was Ohio the State. Michigan Ohio State. Is he a Cleveland guy? Is he oh, Ohio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. What about explain that? Explain that. Explain that Ohio State team. They should be embarrassed the way they played all season, <laughs> and then they went out and put sixty-two. How about on, Coach Harbaugh? Uh, Pat? Ohio State's going to get in. Uh, I don't know. I'm still not sure. They Oklahoma. I I think they. I think that if Oklahoma plays Alabama, it could be eighty to seven. So uh, yeah, the Ohio State should get in ahead of uh, ahead of uh, Oklahoma. But I, I still, if Oklahoma beats Texas, it, it might be Oklahoma because 
Oklahoma doesn't have that horrible loss on their record, and they will have avenged their loss, right, if they beat yeah. Texas. So, hey, Pat. So I don't know. We got to go. Go bleep yourself. <laughs> well, uh, you're not the first guy to say that. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Uh, you and Pat. In addition to Mackie and Judd, three hours today have a new podcast on the Mackie and Judd feed called Unchained. Yeah, check it out. It's great stuff. It was a lot of fun. Unchained. Pure Roycey.